All right. So welcome everybody uh, to the Tesla community channel. And uh, it's really nice having you guys here, uh, especially you, uh, Omar and uh, Don, uh, all the way. Uh, you, Omar, from uh, California, right? Yeah, that's right. All right. And yeah, you, nice. Don, you live in Germany? I live in Germany, yeah. Yeah, me too. And we got uh, Claude Nelson, uh, who's also the co-host. Uh, he lives in the UK. Yeah, so awesome. we're all over Good the to show. Talk to you guys. Yeah, likewise, likewise. Yeah, it's great to be. It's great to be back for our um, episode four of of uh, of 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 the Tesla Community Channel. And uh, yeah, we we're, we're stoked to have you guys with us today, tonight, and uh, well, tonight today. <laughs> and um, yeah, um, yeah, it's just. Um, yeah, it's just, just it's just, just um, like like Julian's saying. It's a new channel. We're still like finding our feet in that, but we're so we're so grateful to have opportunity to speak to guys like you, Don and Omar, and uh, yeah, we've, um, we've got a we've got a pretty interesting conversation lined up for you guys tonight. Yeah, I mean, four episodes. That's a pretty uh, pretty good accomplishment right there. Cheers, Omar. Nice one. Thank you. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna keep at it. So maybe uh, we can just each briefly introduce ourselves to uh, give the audience some uh, you know, idea about us uh, in just a few sentences. So I'm Julian, a teacher, high school teacher from Germany, and I'm invested in Tesla. I drive a, a Tesla, and it's just an awesome uh, mission. It is so compelling that uh, I was inspired uh, together with Claude to start this channel and put the word out there. Yeah, awesome. and, uh, yeah. So yeah, and I, I like it. Like Julian was saying, I'm I'm Claude. I'm a father of five here in in London, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm expecting to hopefully at some point uh, early next year own a own a Model X as my as my first Tesla. You know, so wow, um, and, amazing uh, now, car. Um, we have one on order too. Awesome, awesome. I, I'm just I, 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 was, I was like I've been saying to the guys, I'm trying not to be overly expectant. You know, uh, of it arriving maybe late this year. You know, and just just trying to just not watch the emails too much. But yeah, um, uh, like like Don and I'm 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 just so jealous of everybody who has a Tesla. You know, it's just uh, I can't help it. You know, but um, yeah, um, um, I've I like like Julian Julian saying, um, we've we've had various experiences that have just led us to this point where we felt like we wanted to just jump in and join the conversation. And uh, and here we are, yeah. So, um, over to you, Don. Tell us, tell us about yourself, man. Yeah, so um, glad to be here. I'm Don. Um, I'm software engineer living in Germany. I, um, yeah. So I um, joined. I think Tesla. I'm invested in Tesla since 2016, and got my first car in 2018. Um, was the first one was Model X, and then later on, 2019, got the Model Three. Um, with FSC on it, but sold this year. Um, it was it was not easy, um, but um, yeah. So um, that's it. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Yeah. And Omar, tell us a bit about yourself, if you, if you don't mind us asking for an intro, as far as our channel is concerned, anyway. <laughs> well. Uh, I'm Omar. I'm a software developer. I live in California and uh, I bought my first Tesla in 2018. In April 2018, it was a Model 3. 
my dad had a Model S before that, uh, a, a couple of Model S's actually. He, he bought his first Model S in 2013. So the first one he bought didn't have autopilot. And the second one he bought had Mobileye Autopilot 1. And then around the time I got my Tesla, that was when Tesla really started doing their own autopilot. So, I mean, I, I've just been covering Tesla, autonomous vehicles, electric vehicles for a long time now. Just because there's so much misinformation, so many people who are deliberately putting out information to confuse people, to spread fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And there were just so few people in the media who were able to understand and report on these topics accurately that we just wanted to try and contribute in whatever way we could. And recently I've been using the full self-driving beta. So that's been really amazing to test. Um, and uh, you can find our videos on uh, whole Mars catalog on YouTube or on Twitter, the username's whole Mars blog. Uh, where you can see some of the content there as well. Awesome. Thank you. Right. Yeah, we, we can dive right in with the, uh, this as a first topic uh, on FSD. And later on, we'll get to Elon Musk as a person uh, because you got some uh, quite a lot of interactions with him. And uh, then we can talk about Tesla in general, right? Okay, yeah. so, um, yeah, so what are your overall first impressions of FSD beta release 10.69? Well, it looks like another great iterative release that is smoother. It's more comfortable. You know, I have my friend Hannah who lives across the street from me and we often drive places together and she, she usually complains. She goes, oh my God, you have to use the beta. It's, you know, a little bit jerky sometimes or it stops suddenly. This, these kinds of things annoy her actually. I tell people like, you know, it's a, it's a pretty universal thing that people report the wife girlfriend test. Will your wife or girlfriend or whatever actually let you use FSD beta when you're in the car? And a lot of times in the past, they've gotten annoyed because it can be jerky. It can make stupid decisions. It can be slow. Um, but we went for a drive yesterday and she said, you know, this is actually a lot smoother. And she was skeptical. She said, you know, you always say the updates could improve things, but then it's just kind of still not that good at driving, especially we live here in San Francisco. There's a lot of traffic, a lot of weird scenarios. But she said, no, you know what? This is a lot smoother. She came up with that word on her own. And that was the exact same word I came up with, just smoother, gentler, more comfortable. And uh, it's, it's getting a lot of things right. I think this is going to be... Um, an update that a lot of people like. And I think that it's actually pretty mature compared to what I usually see from the first build of a new version. Usually it has quite a few rough edges. This had a couple of rough edges, a little bit of unnecessary stopping, a little bit of oversensitivity to pedestrians at the crosswalk. They did mention that in the release notes, maybe they didn't turn some of the new, new code on there. So a little bit of hiccups. Um, I had one, uh, you know, forced takeover where uh, it said, okay, I give up, basically, you take over. And uh, there was one time when it was changing lanes where it felt a little bit to the car, but for really the first, you know, maybe three, four hours, I didn't have any takeovers with the software. 
Wow. So it, it's not self-driving yet, obviously. It's just a better version of autopilot. But man, they are really making some progress. And I think that um, a lot of people are going to be delighted when they try this on their own cars. There's over 100,000 users now. And yeah. more people are going to get it at the end of this week. And then a couple of weeks after that, all 100,000 in North America will have it. So, and I noticed that you mentioned a couple of times in your, one of your videos, Omar, that you felt at a few moments where it was almost felt like it was starting to drive better than you for, <laughs> just for a few little bits. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, some of these turns, it just makes so smoothly and so perfectly. It's like, I don't have the focus to do it that perfectly as it does. Um, you can really see in many cases more and more how it's surpassing human perception abilities. It's able yeah. to see things that I miss, right? Yeah. Like I'll give you an example. There was somebody crossing the street and the car stopped. And I said, why did they, why did the car stop? I couldn't see them. They were blocked by the car's A pillar, but the car yeah. saw them and it stopped before I even noticed them. That could have been a dangerous situation. Yeah. I mean, hundreds of times a day, the car is stopping people from getting into crashes all around the world today. It's already happening. People don't realize this. Or mm. I posted another video today on YouTube where, or actually I posted it yesterday, where there was a car coming and it, it wasn't even visible yet, but there was like a row of parked cars and there was a tree and right through the gap, you could see that a car was coming and you could see in the visualization that the car picked it up. I mean, its perception abilities are just incredible. It's so far ahead of what people thought that you should be able to do with cameras and the existing hardware on the car. I think people are really going to be blown away by how often you are at a start point. You say, take me to this end point, And it takes you there entirely on its own. Someone comes, runs into the street. It stops. Someone stopped mm. in the middle of the road. It goes around them, right? It it really handles the real world. And um, my God, it's so big. I don't even have the words for it. Uh, you definitely get excited using the new version, seeing the progress and uh, thinking about where they'll be at the end of the year when they do the public beta to everybody who bought FSD in the United States around Christmas time this year. Yeah. Wow. So that just made me think of one of Chuck's videos as well that he also just released where he was doing his Chuck's famous left turn and right. at one point at one point the car could see what he couldn't see <laughs> right by being obstructed by other vehicles and it saw well enough and was confident enough to take the turn even though it was a slight obstruction for chuck so the improvement the improvements are just are they just they'll just come pouring out of the every every crevice yeah. really chuck, it's just yeah you know, chuck cook's an amazing guy i've met him a couple times uh He's got a, a background in the military, the Air Force, I believe. And, uh, you know, if you haven't seen his videos, you got to go check out Chuck Cook's channel. This guy just is the most metho most methodical tester. He's got drones up there. And for, <laughs> yeah, amazing. for months and months and months, he's been doing this unprotected left turn where he has to make this left turn coming out of his neighborhood where you've got high-speed traffic coming in both directions and no traffic light. So for months, he's been trying this. And more often than not, the software has been failing. And, you know, a lot of people on the Internet said, this proves that Tesla can't solve self-driving. Look at this. They can't do this left turn. 
this yeah. proves that the cameras aren't good enough or the computer isn't good enough or something isn't good enough. And actually Chuck himself believes that you should maybe add a couple more cameras in the front of the car or something that would help. But Tesla went and said, no, actually you can improve this with just software, hmm. just better software, just better control. And we can actually be successful on this turn a lot more often. And I just think generally that's a theme. People really underestimate what you can do with software and underestimate the likelihood that an existing Tesla you bought today, not just that you bought today, but that you bought in 2017 could mm. actually drive itself with this software. Yeah. The same capability. Yeah. yeah. Astonishing. And sorry, and like you and, and Chuck were mentioning in, in, in separate videos, that there were moments where you almost like you could feel the car thinking. And that was so profound just to have that, to try and comprehend that, that the vehicle is sitting there, it's seeing a light, it's thinking, is that mine? Should I, oh, hang on, no, that's not mine. Let me wait. So it's just so right. profound to try and consider that, that real-time processing of information the way a human does. Just, it's, it's, it's right. astonishing. Yeah, I mean, since the beginning of FSD beta, it's often made mistakes. Like there was this one intersection in San Francisco where the traffic lights were at kind of a weird angle. And because they were at a weird angle, it would sometimes read a different light that wasn't for it as green. And it would try and go in the intersection. And I would have to press the brake to stop it from going through that intersection on a red, which was a pretty bad bug. But then over time, they refined it. They got better at recognizing those different angles, which light actually applies to you. And then the Tesla actually stopped. It learned which light was there and started uh, handling it fully. Now, what I saw in this update that was new and what I've started to see more over time is the car actually correcting its own mistakes. So instead of me having to correct the mistake, the car is actually able to figure out that it was wrong and correct the mistake itself. So. In, in my case, I had a, a light in one of the videos where it was a, a light that turned green for a, a different street. But because of the way the light was angled, you could kind of see it turn green. And so the car moved just a little bit, but then it realized it's mistake and it stopped. And another time at a roundabout, it started kind of going the wrong way down the roundabout. Then it stopped, realized it's mistake and went the other way. So it's cool to see it starting to... Um, get to that level of reliability where I actually don't have to take over. It fixes itself before I even can. Yeah. Awesome. Here we got one comment uh, saying, can't wait for a 69. Uh, talk about the uh, occupancy networks. Oh, yeah. This is really interesting. Um, you know, Ashok uh, Elaswamy, who's the head of autopilot software, He's been the uh, head of autopilot software really since the beginning. He even got there before Andre Karpathy and some of the more, some of the other people on the team. Um, so he just gave a talk at the uh, CVPR computer vision conference. And he talked about these occupancy networks Tesla's developed by using LIDAR and radar ground truth data. And what these do, you know, typically with computer vision, you could detect a pedestrian, right? You could detect a car. But if, if the thing doesn't detect, then it's kind of like, okay, maybe I'm not going to control for it well. So he gave an example of a guy lying on the side of the street who kind of looked like a pile of trash from far away. But then as you get closer, it kind of looks like a person. So how do you control for that properly if 
you know there's something there, but you don't really know what it is. And with Tesla's new occupancy networks, they can kind of just detect all of the obstacles, what space is occupied and what isn't, without any necessarily knowing what it is. And this helps to control the car a lot. But what's really game-changing is that they're actually going to take this feature of FSD beta, the occupancy network, and they're going to build it into the car as an active safety feature. So even in Europe, Asia, wherever, even where FSD beta isn't approved, you're going to be able to take this feature, which they're going to call automatic collision avoidance. And every time you drive, it's going to be mapping out your entire surroundings. It takes 10 seconds for this thing to process the last 10 seconds of video. Sorry, it takes 10 milliseconds. Right. So 100 times in a second, it can process the video and construct your surroundings. And if it detects that you're going to get into a collision, it'll apply the brakes or even turn the steering while you're driving manually so that you don't get in a collision. What Ashok said is, Tesla is trying to design a car that is impossible to crash. Whether you're driving it manually or automatically, <laughs> it simply will not let you crash. He said, in the future, it's actually going to be an absurd thing that cars used to crash. It'll be seen as so bizarre because mm -hmm. there's no reason to. If they can see, if they can understand their surroundings, they can make sure that you never hit anything. So I think it's going to be a profound difference in the market when you look at consumers and they have a choice of, okay, here's one car that literally cannot crash. And here's one that maybe has a fake exhaust sound from Dodge, right? Um, this is a feature that everybody wants and that nobody else has. And that's why I think they're gonna have to license it from Tesla, at least the active safety features, because nobody has something like this that can actually run on millions of cars around the world. Just imagine the impact. There's already 3 million cars around the world. By the end of this year, Tesla will be producing at a rate of 2 million cars a year. So 3 million right now, by next year, there'll be more than 5 million. Okay. Think about the impact this software can have at that scale, how many lives it can save. Hundreds of people today are not mm. getting injured or hurt or even killed because this software is out there running on these cars. I mean, this is, I think, one of the most important <clears throat> software projects in the world right now. And we're just talking about cars. Mm. Now, at AI Day 2 on September 30th, they're going to show us how they're taking the same exact software that allows a car to move around the world and put it into a humanoid form so that they can literally automate any task that humans can do. I mean, this is mind-blowing stuff. If you've watched Westworld, this is like they're literally trying to build Westworld in a way with some of this AI technology. It's just incredible to watch. And when, and, when, and when you realize it, it's just such a logical conclusion, just that things should, that things should turn out that way. It's just sort of, it's, it's almost seems so obvious when you. <laughs> and high yeah, science fiction has kind of had it for years, you know, they've kind of figured yeah. out that this is where it was going. So it was really kind yeah, of inevitable in a way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Don, you're, you're a software engineer. So what's your take on this? especially with the uh, huge amount of iterations and versions, especially at the start of releasing FSD beta. Yeah, um, well, sorry, um, go ahead. No, sorry, go ahead. Um, yes, I think I have not much uh, 
points to touch on this because I, in my current model X, I don't have FSD. Um, <laughs> um, I had FSD in my model three, um, but um, but generally, I think um, the rate of improvement um, in um, it's extremely underrated, and people don't don't get it. Um, um, I just I, actually I just googled a couple of minutes ago. Um, so AI, um, so compared to human brain, AI uh, processes um, data like 125,000 times faster than human brain. And it's like, if you take one Tesla, like let's say Model 3, um, can know like every corner of the globe um, and can drive anywhere without any crash, uh, which is impossible for a human being. Um, you know, so so given, given enough, um, memory and computing power, Tesla, the capability of Tesla is, is unlimited. So it's just a question of time where, um, you know, yeah, that is, as you said, Omar, t Tesla, Tesla's that can, cannot crash. So this is like crazy, <laughs> you know, you cannot <laughs> crash Tesla. <laughs> this is, yeah. 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 That's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Even the most hateful uh, try to uh, make it look bad, like uh, recently with the uh, crash on this uh, kid dummy, uh, it could not even be possible <laughs> anymore uh, because it's uh, built in. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it's pretty funny, some of these people making these claims when the reality is this is a piece of software that can stop your kid from getting hit. If there's a distracted driver or a dunk driver, or someone's going to hit your kid in a car that has this technology, the software will stop them. It won't let them. That's what it does. Now, does it work 100% of the time? No, but it works very, very well. It works better than any other system in the world. And you can take a look at their Euro NCAP scores. I think they scored 5.6 out of six or something like that. Um, so, you know, very good score. And they're constantly releasing updates, improving it all the time. Mm. I think that, you know, really going back to kind of science fiction, people had this idea of the self-driving car where they get this self-driving car and it just works perfectly and they just drive around and everything's just flawless. Well, what the science fiction writers didn't talk about is the period at the beginning where it doesn't work that well. Right. Because you think about software and Don is a software developer, anybody else. What software have you ever used that's worked perfectly? That's never had any bugs or any problems. I can't think of anything. Right. All software has problems, especially in the early days when it's being developed. But mm. what people don't understand is really how useful the software can be, even if it's not reliable enough to drive a car while you're sleeping. Mm -hmm. For example, you can have it drive you while supervised. And while I need to be there to supervise because it'll occasionally try and run into things, it's rare enough that I can actually sit back and relax and enjoy quite a bit. Tesla has also started using it for insurance. So mm -hmm. instead of looking at really trying to price you based on, okay, you're a 29-year-old male, here's what I think your you know, risk is, they can actually look with cameras at how you're driving. How close are you following to that guy? How suddenly are you doing your lane changes? Are you doing a lot of hard braking? 
they can just look at the camera and they can figure out if you're a good driver or not and figure out how to price the insurance. We've seen a recent update now use it for the seatbelt pretensioners, where if it detects you're about to crash, it tightens the seatbelt. Now, of course, nobody's claiming that they're ready for driverless, but putting that technology, that understanding of what's happening around you in the car, it's not just an ADAS feature. It's actually foundational to what the car is. And as we see the car evolve into more and more of a software product, this is going to become more and more important. People are going to choose a car for the kind of software it has on it. Because the user interface of today is a steering wheel and pedals. That's how you control a car. The user interface of the future is a touch screen where maybe you say, okay, I want to go to dinner. What's a good French restaurant? And your car says, okay, here's a bunch of French restaurants on Yelp. And you go, okay, yeah, I want to pick this one. And it drives you there. No steering wheels or pedals required or even you know, very minimal use of it. So the whole interface is moving into software. And while it's not perfect, it is already incredibly useful. Mm. And it's people going out there and using it. People like Chuck Cook, who are putting it through its tests, who are stress testing it, trying to make it do the most difficult things possible and making it fail, right? That is what makes it better. Nobody else has that. Waymo, Cruise, these Chinese companies, they mm. don't have people all around the world going and trying their software on every corner of the earth to make sure it's reliable against everything. And we're not even close to being reliable against everything, but just that process of real users going out, collecting data, sending feedback back to the team. This is what's going to get us to a piece of software that's truly reliable enough to let us take a nap in London and wake up in Paris. <laughs> and it makes so much sense to have you hit in the right place about why you're doing it i mean the, the, just just looking at the difference between tesla's mission and what the mission of possibly a number of other companies might be they might just be sort of financial gains or or sort of uh, um get ahead of your competitors whereas tesla's mission is, is well it's rather noble you know it's to it's to, it's 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 actually incorporating everyone else's efforts to move to a safer better, more exciting future. And that must surely bolster the um, improvement of the software, despite that software, and I totally agree with you, Amar, software is probably never going to be perfect by definition, but that it can be that good. And like uh, Elon suggests, might even be better than a human in a very oh, yeah. near near future is it's just i mean it doesn't it suddenly also doesn't it suddenly also make you realize all the risks we run every day you know in our current <laughs> circumstance you know and and uh, and uh, i've got my kids in the car you know and yeah sure we just do this all the time so this is normal for us but statistics even speak that you know look at the statistics about flying being so much safer than driving and driving actually really has been a really dangerous endeavor yeah. for, for for anyone but we've just been so so used to it and now you've got this this yeah. sudden this almost seemingly sudden change but so driven so so different to your typical business models it's it's, it's so yeah it's so inspiring in that regard yeah you know we actually have used to have a lot of people die in planes too but now you look at the data almost nobody dies in a plane 
if somebody dies in a plane crash, especially on a commercial airline, it's a huge story. Now, what changed? Mm -hmm. A lot of things to make things safer, one of which was autopilot, right? Mm -hmm. Planes can fly themselves almost entirely by themselves. And I believe we can see the same thing in cars. We recently had a year with zero aviation deaths. We can have a year with zero car deaths. It seems crazy to say today with 1.3 million people dying on the road, but it's not crazy. One day it'll be crazy that 1.3 million people used to die on the road every day and nobody did anything about it. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's, you know, it's really powerful. Even today, it can see things that you miss. It can already improve safety and, I mean, the mission, really what drives Tesla, what brings all these engineers in, that is really, I think, the most exciting part of it. Because if you look at electric cars and you just look at the sheer mass of cars on the road, right? We have billions of cars on the road around the world, all taking gasoline out of the earth, mining, refining, transporting, all these massive quantities of gas, petrol, and then burning it, right? Just burning massive quantities of gas. Um, so we've, you know, we've got this massive problem. A lot of people have acknowledged it. They said, hey, maybe it's not such a good idea to just take all this oil out of the earth and light it on fire 24 seven, 365 all the time, right? Maybe it could change the composition of the atmosphere long-term. Maybe it could pollute our cities and give us health disease from people breathing this stuff in. And a lot of people have raised a lot of issues about it besides you know, the car crashes. And people are just kind of like, well, we can't do anything because we need to drive around. And if you look at the amount of electric vehicle production, even assuming the industry scales up massively, you have a situation where it would take a hundred years to replace all the gas cars with electric cars, a hundred years. Yeah. So boy, that's, you know, it's almost like we're kind of doomed. We have no hope of replacing all the gas cars, but there is one thing we can do and that's autonomy. What if people still had their gas truck, but they actually kept it at home? And they took a shared electric robo taxi to the mall or mm. to work instead because it was actually cheaper and easier and faster to take that driverless car that's electric mm. than it was to take the truck in their garage and they keep it mm. in. If we do that, then we could really transition everyone to driverless rides mm. way faster than anyone thought possible. And that's mm. really exciting. It's like actually considering yeah. the solution that actually outdoes the is- existing establishment. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, electric vehicles have a lower total cost of ownership, which means at the end of the month, you're making a, a payment on your car loan. You're paying for insurance. You're paying for fuel for the car. And when you add all those things out, how much is actually coming out of your bank account? If you look at it on a gas car and you drive a lot, then it's actually more total cost of ownership than the electric car. But the problem is the electric car has the higher sticker price off the lot. So people look at it and they think, oh, the electric vehicle is more expensive. I'm paying the sticker price. And it's not until later when I drive tons and tons of miles that I might get some of that cost back in terms of the fuel savings. Well, with the robo taxi, 
the car could drive 10 times as many miles, right? Instead of driving 12,000 miles a year, it might be typical for the car to drive 120,000 miles a year. Now, if you're driving 120,000 miles a year, the cost difference between an EV and a gas car just skyrockets. It's massive. So all of the economic incentive will be for all of the robo taxis to be electric because it's just not economical to power them with gas. They won't be able to compete. They'd have to charge a higher price and really nobody would want it. So autonomy is such a powerful forcing function towards transitioning to clean energy and transitioning to electric vehicles. That's what I think is really the most exciting part of it. Of it. And why I think so many people are so uh, afraid of what Tesla is doing here. It could change the world in a snap faster than anyone is expecting. That's true. Uh, so how, how does the, I mean, we're talking about uh, this stuff on Twitter all the time, uh, but uh, for the uh, everyday person, how does the penny drop, uh, especially amongst the onslaught of uh, thought in the media? What do you think? Uh, the penny drop? What exactly do you mean? Yeah, like, like how does it all come to an end? Or when, when, when like the, the first moment you realize, Omar, in your experience, the first moment that you had the real sober realization that hang on, this is the real deal, and it kind of gave you clarity of of of, of thought on on the fact that this technology is is doing what it says on the tin. And, and, and gave you a, like a firm conviction in, in Tesla, essentially. I mean, what, talk, us, talk us through that experience for you personally. Right. You know, I, I remember when I was in middle school one day and Steve Jobs presented at Macworld that day and he presented the iPhone. And I went home and I watched that presentation of Steve Jobs presenting the iPhone and I said, this is it. Everybody in the future is going to have a computer in their pocket. Now, in those days, you know, if there's any kids watching, you had to use a desktop computer or a laptop to connect to the internet. So me as a kid, I loved the internet, but it was always annoying for me when my parents pulled me out of the house and I couldn't go on the internet until I got back, right? So when I saw that, I said, this is it. Every person going to have a computer in their pocket and you look at the world today the world has completely changed it's almost taken for granted well of course everyone has a computer in their pocket right and they have all these software applications that they use when i saw the model 3 and when i got one for the first time it was the same exact type of realization and i think a lot of people who've gotten into a tesla will tell you the same thing which is you get in you drive it you live with it and suddenly you just know without anyone being able to argue with you or anyone being able to convince you, this is the type of car that everybody's going to be driving in the future. It's going to be electric. It's going to be software powered, have a really good phone app, really good on vehicle software. And it's going to be very highly automated and maybe even to drive itself fully. You know when you live with that and you see all the advantages that this is true. And yet so much of the discussion you hear, they're just living in this fantasy land, right? They're saying, oh, well, it doesn't have enough range and 
you won't be able to take road trips. Well, that's not true. You've got the supercharger network. You can take road trips today and it'll actually be a better, nicer, more automated experience with autopilot than you could get in a gas car. I mean, I take long trips all the time. You hear them say things like, oh, you know, batteries are bad for the environment as if they've never heard of oil spills uh, or <laughs> fracking or all of these things that uh, are not so environmentally friendly, whereas batteries can be recycled, right? You don't set the metal on fire, you keep using it. Um, so I think there's just a tremendous amount of misinformation out there. And, and it, we're so early in this transition that most people don't know. You know, like I would give people rides with Uber sometimes in San Francisco. And the most common thing they'd say, even here is, wow, I've never been in a Tesla before. And for a lot of people, they just have not been in an electric vehicle before. So they don't know. They believe all this nonsense they hear in the media pushed by oil companies and legacy automakers that don't want to transition. But the minute they get in that car themselves, the minute they see it, the minute they drive it themselves, that seed is planted in their mind that this is the future. And mm. at some point or another, I'm going to buy one of these myself. It makes a lot of sense. And it's almost like it seems that the, the ramp up is like the most effective means to, to get butts on seats. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, um, like we've, we've had some discussions around ourselves about sort of, reaching out to the, to the, to the, to the everyday person, you know, and, um, totally appreciating how from within the community, everybody gets it. We all get it. We've all had that penny drop moment, you know, and, and it's like, um, um, uh, uh, remembering and, and sort of almost rolling back to this is how it came to be there. I'm just curious about the things we had to unlearn so that we could make a, a, a kind of a, make a, make it feasible within our own comprehension to realize that this technology is actually possible and that it is actually a, a, a potential reality that we can uh, investigate and, 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 and subscribe to and invest in, you know, it's just like, um, uh, it's, 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 um, yeah, it's just, it's just been a really interesting thing to, to just to, to, to try and almost almost put yourself in the in the shoes of the person who who stands against Tesla who stands against Tesla um, and I don't mean I don't mean the the, the 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 guys that are putting out big old adverts to try and shut them down and using all sorts of tricks of the trade um, I mean I mean the average person who, who who might hear about who hear about this technology and might be they may be shut down because of FUD, because of um, a, a lot of noise in the media um, and, and it becomes a, a really interesting question as to how to reconnect with those guys. Cause those guys are the future Tesla owners, you know, or in, in the, in, amongst them are, are the future Tesla owners. And um, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just a, such an interesting uh, consideration as to, as to, as to rolling it back from, from being within the comfort of the, of the community itself to realizing that, okay, outside there, there's there are people that are laughing, there are people that are pointing and staring, you know, and, and, and um, um, just, yeah, just, just, just talking, just, just reaching out to these guys. Um, I suppose with, with, 
not always with that resistance, you know, because it's like the the hardcore fud. Yeah, it's like you got to fight fire with fire. But yeah, the the everyday guys, the everyday guys is like a, a very curious thing. It's like was yeah. really keen to pick your brain, Omar, about what you think about. You meet someone who's you know first time, not interested in sitting in your car, right? They're, they're just it's just a haphazard conversation which just happens to turn towards. Oh, the world is ending, and you have an opportunity to just suggest that. Well, maybe there's a better alternative. What 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 passes in your mind with that with that you know with that consideration? Yeah, so I think it's a really interesting situation with electric vehicles right now. On one hand, you have some people who just love electric vehicles, love Tesla, uh, love clean energy. Maybe even some who love it too much. And then on the other side, you have people who hate it for one reason or another. Maybe they're, they work at a fossil fuel company. And imagine you work at a fossil fuel company. Everybody is um, working hard at your company. It's, you, good people there, right? You like them. You know, maybe it's a family business or something. And the world runs on fossil fuels. If all the fossil fuels disappear tomorrow there would be misery and suffering. People would starve to death. So yeah. it's actually quite an important thing that they're doing. We need them to get the fossil fuels out of the ground and keep you know, society running. But we also need to plan for a future where we don't do that. And so you know, some of these people, I think, get kind of um, defensive maybe, or they say, oh, this is all just a scam. They're lying. It's not ready. And I hate Tesla. You got the people who love Tesla. You got the people who hate Tesla irrationally, just like, you know, they've made it their whole life, their whole career to hate Tesla in some cases. And then you've got the people in the middle who the vast majority of them, they don't know anything. And frankly, they don't care. They're not thinking about cars. They're thinking about their daughter, you know, having trouble at school or whatever, right? Whatever the issue is in their life, they're thinking about their wife wanting a divorce or whatever is happening at work. And they don't think that much about this stuff. That's what I found. So it's easy to sometimes get caught up when you're a fan or a hater. You read all this stuff. You're consuming it all the time. And you think average people are really, you know, doing this too. And you realize the average people, they don't know anything. Maybe if they saw one of these stories, they saw the headline and they went right through it because they didn't care. So, I mean, that's really why, like, what you guys are doing is so important and why I do what I do and why everybody who has an EV in some way is really helping with this. Because it's just like, go see random people. You know, you see someone uh, helping out with, uh, like, I'll give you an example. Um, I was selling one of my Model 3s and there was a there was a minor dent in the door that I wanted to get out before... Uh, I sold it. So I went to this paintless dent repair guy and uh, who works on Tesla's. And so he fixed it up. And I said, Hey, do, well, do you want to, um, you want to ride in the car? And I can show you this full self-driving beta. And the guy said, okay, sure. And so I took him for a ride and, you know, I answered his question about electric charging, whatever. And I showed him the FSD and, took him to Target and back, zero takeovers. The guy was just completely blown away. He was like, holy cow, 
I've never seen anything like this before. I didn't even know this existed, right? I just thought I was fixing this dent. And, you know, his world is just blown, right? This is somebody who's very into cars. He had some nice classic cars there. And he's like, oh, my God. So people just don't know. They don't know anything, right? They haven't mm. been listening to the people who are too negative or too positive. Mm. They've been living their life. But slowly, mm. word of mouth, right? Every EV that's sold probably converts five to 10 other people to EVs, right? So it's this inherently viral phenomenon. So go out, ask people if they want to see it, ask people their questions. And, you know, sometimes people come up with these things. They say, well, isn't, uh, you know, isn't uh, it, it really made with child labor, the batteries or, mm. oh, it isn't Elon yeah. Musk really... Uh, yeah, isn't uh, isn't Elon Musk really uh, just rich because his dad had an emerald mine or they come up with some of this crazy stuff. And, you know, I never get mad at them. I go, I never go, oh, fuck those guys. Yeah. I know who wrote that yeah. story. He's an asshole. Yeah. I just <laughs> calmly say, oh, you know, actually, um, some of the latest batteries, they don't use any cobalt and uh, they're actually working to reduce it. And really only in the DRC about you know, six to 12% of the mines in that country are small independent mines that use child labor. So it's really, you know, not as big of a problem as you would think. People really do care and they care about sourcing sustainably. Here's this impact report you can read with more information about this. You know, you don't have to get upset with them because they just heard what they heard, you know, they don't know. Mm. And, you know, more often than not, you just show people you just show people the acceleration, the range, the fun of driving. You show them Netflix in the car and people are like, wow, okay, maybe I should take a look at an EV for, for my next car purchase. That's the most uh, common reaction when you show people. They say, wow, I had no idea that this was a product, right? Tesla doesn't advertise. It's kind of just this little-known secret that travels through word of mouth, right? The fastest-growing car company in decades just – all entirely by word of mouth. Think about that. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's why this yeah. is important. That's why I encourage everyone who's watching, like, just be obnoxious about it. Show people your Tesla, show them FSD, answer their questions. Any random person, you know, you see your, uh, you know, any random person who, who you have an opportunity to give a ride to, go ahead. It could change their life for the better. Yeah, I actually changed my uh, car insurance uh, policy for that reason. So anybody can drive it. Uh, I just oh wow, cool. it out that's great. But yeah, awesome. awesome. It, just that's brave. I wouldn't let too many other people drive my Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too protective. I don't even let my friends and family drive it. <laughs> All right. Okay. But I'll give uh, people uh, rides. Sorry. <laughs> I said I'll give people rides though. Oh yeah. Fair dues, fair dues. Of course. Okay, uh, let me see. So we're uh, 47 minutes in. Uh, I think uh, one big other topic that's of uh, interest, especially if you're in the uh, community overall, uh, uh, is, for example, uh, Elon Musk himself, uh, which uh, is a person you interact with uh, a lot uh, on Twitter. And maybe you could just uh, talk about how did it start and you know, later on, I think you also uh, personally met him, and maybe you can talk uh -huh. about experience. Well, that is a long story, but um, boy, I'll try and summarize it. Um, 
So around 2018, when I got my Tesla, there was a short and distort campaign going along, going on where basically a group of short sellers were pushing misinformation, fake negative information about Tesla to try and bet, uh, push the stock price down so they could make money betting against the stock. During the Model 3 ramp, they were telling people the company was going to go bankrupt. And a lot of journalists were working very closely with them, actually. Um, you know, you would expect journalists to say, hey, there's this misinformation campaign going along. People are spreading this information that's maybe untrue. But the journalists really loved the story. So you had journalists and short sellers really working together to push this shortened story campaign. And I just started covering it saying, hey, this isn't true. I got this Tesla Model 3. I think this could be huge. I think this product could change the world. And lo and behold, the whole industry has changed now with the Model 3 becoming profitable. Tesla has become a massive success. But we didn't know that at the time. At the time, it really made us sad seeing all this information saying Tesla's going bankrupt. They're you know, a terrible company. They should go under. And so, you know, I just wanted to make people laugh and feel better and also just show people that what they're saying wasn't true. Um, now, what I didn't expect is that uh, some of these short sellers would start basically attacking me personally. And um, there was this one guy named Aaron Greenspan who was a Tesla short seller. And he believes he invented Facebook. He's just, a, he's a really uh, delusional sick guy. He has been, uh, you know, stalking and uh, harassing me for years now. Um, it's really kind of a criminal situation really. Um, but right. he, he's just very, uh, he's a nut job, right? And he, um, he believed he invented Facebook and that the idea was stolen from him. So I just posted kind of laughing like, okay, these are the people who are shorting Tesla. They're such idiots. They think that, um, you know, they invented Facebook. And Greenspan took that very seriously. I, I didn't realize how, um, how still upset he was over the Facebook thing. Uh, he had actually sued the makers of the social network movie for not putting him in the movie. And wow. that loss would have gone on for three years. He started harassing the guy's wife, threatening her, trying to name her in the lawsuit. I mean, this is a very nasty, sick guy who's just uh, messed up in the head. He's, has, mm. has, he's a virgin. He wrote in his autobiography that he could never connect with a woman. And so he just puts all his time into really harassing people, whoever he's mad at at the day. Uh, which has been me for a lot of the last few years. And so this guy messaged me, Aaron Greenspan. He said, you need to delete this tweet about me right now where you said I didn't invent Facebook or, or else. And I said, no, I'm not going to delete it. And he said, okay, well, that link I sent you to the screenshot, he said, you need to delete this tweet. And I clicked the link and he said, okay, boom, I have your IP address now. Then he took the IP address and checked his server logs to see uh, if there were any other requests from that address. And I had been typing a few queries into his site to see if it worked, uh, my own name, the name of my business. So then he doxed me and he said, okay, this is Omar Kazi behind this account. 
And basically he started escalating his attacks. Uh, he was stalking me, he started like posting my car's license plate and other information about me. And at first people were kind of telling him like, uh, what are you doing? Why are you like harassing this guy and doxing this guy? It's not cool. But then he started ramping up the attacks and um, Bloomberg was, Bloomberg wanted to interview me about autopilot for this feature in business week. And so at that point uh, he kind of lost his shit. He said that this guy isn't a real Tesla customer. He's actually being paid by Elon to pretend to be a Tesla customer. He accused me of having child pornography. He called the police on me, um, oh. all this crazy stuff. And, you know, oh, none God. of it was true. I wasn't being paid by Elon. I was actually paying them. Um, and then when, you know, the Business Week feature came out, he said, uh, you know, he sent a lawsuit thread. He said, I'm going to sue you guys. And uh, then a few, year, a few years later, he actually sued me and Elon, um, basically, uh, basically trying to blackmail us. He said, listen, you need to agree to these long list of demands. You'll never say anything about me again. You'll never do this. You'll never do that. You have to delete everything you've ever said to me. And you have to pay me uh, a large sum, uh, tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, or else I'm going to file thousands of documents with the court and I'm going to make you spend a huge multiple of that because this guy has no life, no job. He'll just mm. file thousands and thousands of documents with the court just so that it's so right. expensive to respond to. And he'll do right. it pro se, which means that he doesn't have a lawyer. Um, so, you know, he's, he's been suing me and uh, Elon for the past two and a half years now. The case was dismissed. The judge said that there was no um, no substance to the lawsuit at all. Um, mm. So the claims were dismissed. And then he rewrote the lawsuit. And then we had to go through the whole thing again. It was dismissed with prejudice. Now he's now appealing to the Ninth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals. Um, it's cost, you know, around $200,000 so far. And now we have to go and counter sue him uh, wow. to try and get him to stop and his company and uh, his, his fake charity. So that was kind of the thing is I started reporting on how he had this fake charity. I mean, man, this is really a long story. He was using this fake nonprofit to, uh, to help his short selling bets. And that's really why he started kind of threatening me and harassing me to stay quiet about this because he basically committed tax fraud, securities fraud, and, you know, could probably go to jail if this all goes out. So um, he, he then shut down the charity. But long story short, this guy has basically been threatening me, harassing me, uh, you know, spreading rumors about me that I was a child molester, a convicted felon, you know, all untrue stuff. And, uh, you know, um, that's how I met Elon. <laughs> Ironically, that's the one good thing that came out of it is beautiful. Elon is just like, what the hell is this, you know, going on? And I think, um, I mean, like, you know, it's not like we're best friends or anything. Some people, I think, kind of overestimate what my contact with him really is. But, um, you know, he knows who I am. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think Elon's a great guy. I met him for the Third Row Tesla podcast then after all of this happened. And um, he's just really down to earth, really humble. And 
he's a good guy. He's an incredible guy. We would all do well to kind of listen to him and kind of learn from him, I think. Um, I mean, that's kind of how I see him. I look up to him. I see him as, you know, kind of uh, somebody who is part of, he's just done incredible things. I mean, this is a guy who started his own rocket company that's now sending people to the space station. I mean, you know, and I, I never got into it because of Elon, right? I'm not an Elon fan. I was a Tesla fan. I got a Tesla. I liked the Tesla and I like Elon because of it. I think it's kind of funny now that Tesla's become so successful and he's become one of the wealthiest or the wealthiest person on earth that, you know, there's so much kind of hate that people buy into journalists. It's fun to, you know, shake your fist at the people in power or whatever, even though really he's taking on so many of these established interests that are so much more powerful than him. Um, and is really still the underdog in so many ways, despite, you know, Tesla stock being so highly valued because they've done so well. And, you know, people say, you know, how can you defend that guy? And it's like, well, you know, if you had sat in a room with somebody and talked to them and seen what their companies were doing and seen how meaningful it is, how impactful it is, how much of a difference it makes in people's lives, somebody you met, you know, could you just stand around and just let people attack him? Like he's not even a real person. He's like a cartoon villain to them. Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even occur to them that this is like a real guy mm-hmm. who, you know, we're actually just making a business out of shitting on to make money. Right. So in terms of what Elon is doing, working on starship, working on scaling Tesla production, working on FSD beta, Compared to what these people are doing who write mean articles about him, I mean, I have a lot more respect for Elon personally, but um, I mean, I think he's a good guy. <laughs> what can I say? He's pretty cool. And yeah. I think he's kind of funny too. And I mean, just look at his impact. Like, it's mm-hmm. clear that one day he's going to be up there with names like Thomas Edison, Nikola Definitely. Tesla, Steve Jobs. Okay. Elon Musk, right? Yeah. He's he's earned his place in in history books and whether you yeah. love him or hate him, that much is true. Absolutely. But I think, you know, I, I'm not sure if you can really like put Elon in that row. I think Elon is much more uh, much more higher. It's like Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like Steve Jobs made uh, um things that that are um in kind of in a in a one row, but Elon makes things like in and like the distance of between things that Elon does like extremely extremely huge like making cars and and putting humans on in space with with rockets and yeah and this is and all, it's like um people like you can say a lot of people having iPhones and they never like feel the connection with Steve Jobs not not that much right but if if you drive a Tesla and people for example me I you feel the spirit somehow um and then the community and yeah and how um how how simple you mm-hmm. is. this is this is incredible you feel this spirit in the car in the products and in his talks in his this is you, you you just feel the heart of what what he has this is you you never see this in other these wealthiest mm-hmm. um, people outside 
No, I, can, I concur yeah. with it with you, Don, as yeah. well. It, it feels um, to me as well. It, it seems it feels a little bit like, uh, uh, from at least from the available material, material from what you can surmise that, yeah, it seems that maybe Steve uh, drove. He saw talent, and then he drove that talent to get what he what he envisioned. Where Elon, he, he seemed to be the guy who rolled his sleeves up and got in with the guys, you know, mm. on the factory floor um, uh, um, to tackle the problem with them, where, where Steve was sort of given, a, given an, an order to his guys and then expecting a result. And I, I have to say, I have a similar uh, uh, um, re re increased respect for Elon in that regard. Uh, it, it does seem all too often... Uh, and I, it almost feels a little bit like this may happen in, in sort of everyday lives. Uh, you, you know what it's like with your colleagues. You know those colleagues you have who just drive everybody, who just come up with snide remarks and uh, jibes and, and and stabs and try to whip their, their sort of their, their fellow colleagues into producing something they want. Um, then you know the guys who roll their sleeves up and would rather set the example first burn their own money first and 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 prove the the, the prototype first before uh, um inviting others to join them and it's it's just a very significant uh difference and very it's so unbelievably refreshing to see that someone you know nice guys don't always finish last <laughs> you know and it's it's mm. it's 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 pretty sobering it's pretty sobering it's it's, it's uh, i think yeah um but yeah, I I'm I I, I agree with or I agree with what, what what you guys are saying there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's definitely a very caring guy. I can tell you that much. Like, you can see that he really cares about people, and in ways that he doesn't always necessarily show publicly. But um, you know, he's got a good heart for sure, and I think that's a lot of what drives him to risk his money on things like Tesla and SpaceX when he could have just taken his pay out from PayPal and just lived on a beach for the rest of his life. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. He could own the beach <laughs> like many. Yeah. Beaches. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we're in uh, uh, one hour. Are you still fine? Uh, are you guys? Uh, I'm, uh, you know, probably good to start wrapping up. Okay. Yeah. J just maybe uh, some quick questions. Uh, maybe Don, you got some prepared. Yeah, so let's see. Um, um, yeah, okay. Um, so I have so, so many questions. So, okay, maybe probably, again, one, three. So how difficult was it uh, for, for you, Omar, to sell your, I think your one, three was signed by Elon. Um, how, how difficult was it to, to sell it to Warren? Um, well, you know, I, it was good to know it was in good hands with somebody who could appreciate it, someone in the Tesla community family who could appreciate the, the Elon signature too and um, uh, appreciate the car and what it meant. You know, it was one of the first Model 3s. But, um, you know, it was definitely hard, and, uh, but it was nice to drive it across the country with Warren. Um, and uh, I don't know, I, I feel like I know... Elon a little bit better than maybe I don't need him to have signed my car so much anymore. Like I could have kept the sun visor <laughs> or something, but 
I thought Warren would appreciate it more. Like, I mean, I could probably get him to sign something else sometime if I really wanted to. Maybe, like, I, I did see him at the Tesla shareholder meeting for a second. Um, uh, but, you know, I mean, I think I'm kind of past the point where mm. I really need a signature. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's an incredible guy. It's incredible to just kind of talk to him or hear what he has to say. Um, uh, about things and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not maybe as much of a <laughs> of like a, a hardcore fan to uh, to the extent that like I care about signatures or stuff. To me, it's kind of like he's not a celebrity; he's like a real guy that you can talk to. You know, well, like <laughs> he's almost just like kind of one of us, except he's running the company. Um, and, you know, that level of openness where he, he'll just talk to people on Twitter and um, mm. and that sort of thing is really amazing. And, and what I like him for, uh, I don't care too much to, uh, to have a signature. But, you know, obviously, we went to interview him for Third Row. I had to ask him for his signature. Mm. Um, so I'm proud. I'm proud I got that. And at the last minute of the interview, I was like, Elon, can you uh, sign my car outside? And he's like, sure. <laughs> and then he sat <laughs> in the front seat and signed it. So... That was a good move by me, but you know, ultimately wasn't something that really I needed to hang on to that much, I guess. Hmm. Um, yeah, I got one. Warren's uh, daughter's driving it now, I think. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, one one uh, personal question about your name on Twitter. So it's a whole mass catalog. And uh, maybe for the viewers uh, uh, to get an idea of uh, what the whole Earth uh, catalog was. It, uh, used to be like in the 60s uh, until 1971. Uh, something, you know, uh, I, I actually read a digital version of it. It said uh, <laughs> uh, the function is to uh, an ev evaluation and ex uh, access device to know what is worth buying. Uh, the purpose is to empower the individual to conduct its own education and shape the environment instead of being fed by big business, former education, government, and church. And then I looked at your website. And there it says, uh, this is a web page serves as a catalog of the technologies and thinking uh, we'll need to get to Mars. This is a website about the future and how we get there. Uh, maybe you could just briefly elaborate on uh, this idea uh, of yours. Yes, a lot of people actually don't know whole Mars, uh, where it came from. Um, they think that it's just supposed to be like Omar, whole Mars. That's actually just a coincidence that there's kind of a, you know, that it sounds similar. But um, really, yeah, what it came for is really kind of the Steve Jobs commencement address speech where he talks about death and some other topics. Um, it's a really good video. If you haven't seen it, uh, go check it out on YouTube. Um, and, you know, in the, uh, in the talk, he talked about reading the whole Earth catalog in the days before Google, right, where you didn't know about products. You didn't know what to buy. And. He said the whole earth catalog was just this really great publication that people reading and it helped them like electronics and tools and things to buy taught them about it and it was just such a great publication that he loved to read and so you know i was really thinking about that like okay you know the steve jobs of tomorrow or whatever um like something that people can really read who are like passionate about this stuff new technology and um that can that can kind of 
be, you know, sort of like that for a modern world. That's kind of what I wanted to start. And I wanted to cover the tech of the topics about, um, you know, things that like, what do we need to do to make the future happen? Like the description on the website, it's not about literally getting to Mars necessarily, but getting to Mars is just kind of my metaphor for the future, right? So like, like FSD, I would consider mm. as one of the technologies that gets us to Mars, so to speak, or gets us into the future. Um, mm. And there's just so much misinformation in the media, so much uh, people writing about things they don't really know about or understand that I just wanted to try and bring some fact-based understanding of these new technologies um, that are important to us and, and how they're going to impact our life. So that's what we've been trying to do at uh, Whole Mars. And I think uh, we got some big things coming up ahead. This is just the beginning. Awesome. Well, it makes a lot of sense. It's very inspirational. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, to, to, and I know what you mean. It's, it's just to have, it's, you know, to just look ahead and 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 yeah, sort of factually put things together that that can result in you feeling good about the about the potential future. It's it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people should feel good about the future. In the last few decades, we have seen the most unprecedented technological change in human history on such a short time scale since the invention of the microprocessor. The microprocessor just changed everything. Every decade, you've seen new waves of innovation from 1987 to really 1997, you saw the personal computer, people able to do desktop publishing for the first time, people able to do Excel spreadsheets. Man, that changed someone's life. If you were there with your calculator running the numbers every day, that was your job. And suddenly you got this computer, you just change one number in the spreadsheet and the whole report comes out. That made every business more efficient over that decade. Then in the next decade, really from 1987 to 1997, you saw the computers evolve a lot more. You saw the emergence of the internet in the later part of that time period where you could now go on the World Wide Web. And then really from 2007 to 2017-ish, you saw the iPhone, smartphones, taking the web and all those innovations and putting them into your pocket. And each of these decades of innovation brought tons of new businesses popping up, billion-dollar businesses, Uber, Airbnb, all these businesses, pretty much every sector you can think of, made more efficient by software. And now we're entering the decade of AI, right? And so autonomy is one part of that. Um, you know, electric vehicles and batteries are also a big thing that's happening where software is starting to eat the car. And uh, I mean, this is just the beginning. Some of these things that AI can do, I mean, my God, it's just going to blow people's mind. Like, if you've seen what uh, OpenAI has been doing, also, a company founded by Elon Musk, incidentally, with GPG-3 and Dolly, where you can say, hey, Don, Claude, and Julian interviewed me. Here's a text of the interview. And it'll just write out the whole thing. It'll you know, mm -hmm. just come up with it. It's kind of incredible. Or you can say, hey, I, I want a picture of a girl 
walking up a mountain and she's holding a box of Cheerios and she's smiling. And in less than a minute, the AI can draw you, you know, four images that meet those criteria. Something that you had to pay a graphic designer a lot of money to perfect before. Now one person could maybe type text into a text box and create art themselves. I mean, we're looking at the very definition of work changing. We're looking mm-hmm. at the very definition of, uh, of art, of life changing. Like what is our role as humans in the world if we can have software do all of these things? The amount of creation, the amount of new projects where a kid could start a business, you know, a 10 year old kid and have a bunch of robots working for him and it could become the largest retail store in the country, right? Um, it's really power to the people in so many ways. That's what the computer has been about. The microprocessor has been about since the beginning. Power to the people. And your average person has more power to disrupt established players than, than ever. And I mean, that's really what it's about for me. It's just helping people get this information because it can really change their life. I had someone message me once and just say, hey, um, you know, I, I listened to what you had to say. And I invested in uh, Tesla stock and um, I I have a kid who is disabled and, you know, they really needed some treatments. I was able to pay for those treatments because of just getting this information and knowing this and, you know, investing is risky. Sometimes you lose money. Sometimes you make money. You have to be careful, Mm -hmm. but um, information can be a powerful thing. You can invest, you can start a business, you can prepare your business for, these trends that are happening that we, that are very, you know, you can see it coming from a mile away and uh, it can change your life if you know, versus you don't know. So that's why uh, what you guys are doing is important and why I do what I do as well. Is if you have knowing and then having the conviction to act on what, you know, not necessarily Mm -hmm. getting it right. Perfect first time, but yeah, but driving at it, it's just, it's a um yeah makes a lot of sense Omar makes a lot of sense also the uh, main idea behind this uh community um channel right inviting everyone uh, putting the information out there making it available inviting everyone I mean uh, we hear people commenting uh, asking questions and they're also um <laughs> you know, come online uh you're fr- uh, you know, happy to join uh basically anybody uh it's very open and yeah so we really appreciate uh, all of you guys out there uh, listening to us and uh, especially you don and omar uh, taking your time coming on the show and yeah it's really awesome also seeing it so uh internationally um you know growing and it's just a start as you said omar it's uh really oh yeah this is Great. day one of this story And it's going to be one of the most incredible economic transformation stories the world has ever seen. And yeah, definitely a big shout out to the community. I mean, the community is really what makes this time different. A lot of people don't know that they tried to make electric cars mainstream three times. Mm. The first time was really in the 1900s at the dawn of the car. It was Mm. electric versus gas. And gas won. The technology kind of wasn't good. It didn't have long enough range. They told people that electric cars were for women only. You know, you need a real man's car with gas. And so gas cars won and electric cars died out. 
Then the second time was really in the 90s with the GM EV1 and the California ZEV mandate, where consumers actually loved the car. They said, oh my God, this is an amazing car. But GM took back all the vehicles, they crushed them, and there were no electric cars anymore. If you've seen the movie, Who Killed the Electric Car? Yeah. It covers this whole saga. Now we're on attempt number three, and we've got Tesla. And what's different this time, the reason those electric cars aren't getting crushed this time is because of everybody in the community. That's everybody right. who stood up and said, hey, this bullshit that you read in the news is bullshit. I mm. actually know, I've driven one of these cars, I've talked to people, and I'm going to spread the word. Those people, ordinary people spreading the word are more powerful than the media, more powerful than the oil industry, more powerful than anybody. When you have such a mass uprising of people saying, yes, this is the future we want. So yeah, I just have to give a big thanks to everyone in the community. I mean, I love talking to everybody all the time. Like we have such good times with each other, joking and just following what's going along. Uh, it's really great. Everybody who just participates in spreading the word. Absolutely. And everybody's invited. Just <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yep. So uh, thank you very much uh, for coming and we really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we wish uh, all of you the best and maybe we can have another chat in the future, uh, especially once maybe uh, FSD is being released to uh, more and more people. We, we, yeah. yeah, Omar, sorry, I was saying it's been such a pleasure having you on with us and, and you, Don, and I mean, having you guys with us and, and everyone who's listening. Uh, it's it, I, Like you say, Omar, this feels to us as well like a beginning. And uh, if the opportunities arise in future to progress this conversation, um, we'll certainly be there to support it in any way we can as well. But anyway, you, you, yeah. were, you were saying more. Yeah, I was just going to say thanks so much for having me and, you know, happy to come on again to talk to you guys anytime. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. All right. All right, All right you yeah. guys. Awesome. Take care. Yeah. I'll see you guys later. Yeah. Right. Have a great one, guys. Cheers for the mo. All right. Okay, guys. Uh, so ending the stream now. Have a good one and uh, bye. Cheers, guys.